Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. And Josh is coming. <laughs> He's on the way. Yeah. We, I, I actually, we didn't even think about what we were going to do for the intro. That kind of works right there. Yeah, Josh is on the way. Um, we're really excited that he's still being able to come, but, uh, he's actually, he's, he's filling in the big pulpit tonight. He's preaching. And so, uh, he's been studying all day and I'm sure he's got a lot on his mind, but, uh, he'll be here in about five or 10 minutes. You guys will know, but it's me and Alan, but we're not alone. We got pastor Jason with us again. He's, uh, here and he's going to join us. Um, I was talking to him today and since we kind of talked about tongues last week and this week we're going to talk about the gift of the interpretation of tongues it would have been it'd be good for him to come back so that way he can kind of like finish out tongues completely with us um, but also we're not only going to talk about the interpretation of tongues we are going to talk about the gift of miracles and the gift of healing which will kind of end out our uh, miraculous gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit. Um, and it, we've basically been talking about how these gifts specifically rotate around the apostles and the times that they were here and the things that, uh, they were able to do. But man, before we even get into this, I, I think, um, we haven't done this in a while, Alan, just, uh, um, man, if there was a time now for people to really, really, really get plugged back in to the church, I know we've been saying, for weeks and even during COVID, you know, when things were starting to lighten up, we were encouraging people to go back to church. But, like, we just want to encourage you all, like, go back to church. Absolutely. And we've had uh, several that uh, have been out for a while that were here uh, this Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, some of the folks that are uh, up in years and, and some of them have been uh, waiting on vaccinations and things like that. And all of that's starting to come around and folks are uh, getting back into the swing of things. And uh, we're excited, you know, to see uh, God's house, uh, you know, full of familiar faces that are, are hungry and have missed it. And you can tell just by look, looking in their eyes that they're they're glad to be here. And it's a, a situation where uh, it's good to worship with them. It's yeah. Good. Yeah. I noticed, too, that, like, um, I didn't have a lot of time to just kind of, like, walk around and get to talk and see everybody. But as I, like... Um, service was getting ready to start. I did make a, a little bathroom trip after we practiced some music, and I noticed that there were some people that I hadn't seen in a while, and it was good to say hey to them and holler at them. Um, so, yeah, we just want to encourage you guys, um, go back to church. Get get back into your local body. Um, church doors are opening up. Um, but before we continue this, hey, Josh. Hey. How you doing? Good now that I'm here. Yeah. No, it's hardy, but it's all <laughs> sorry good. for that. No. You get a mark. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we uh we told everybody you were coming in, you were preaching tonight, and you had a lot to study, and you came in, so that was, that was a good time. We just started, so awesome. we're encouraging people to go back to church. I mean, that's absolutely. Cause, uh, go ahead, Josh. It's it's very important. You know, the the, the fellowship with one another is key, and then in the um communion, our community coming together in fellowship and in service together. Yeah. It, it not only encourages those around us, but also, you know, the pastoral staff. And the the thing is, is that, you know, they, they are burdened. They have, they have a great burden that's yeah. on them. And, you know, the, the congregation is a key part for each community and, and to be fellowship. Because the thing about it is, is one is we as Christians, um, it was mentioned in the Sunday school class this morning that, you know, we are being watched. And they're, they're waiting for that moment of slip up. And if we are not putting an emphasis on coming together in fellowship with one another, but yet we're finding ourselves being able to do everything else in our life, yeah, you know, it, it kind of downplays where we stand 
Yeah. And I mean, like, and another thing, too, is, like, with the church, a lot of churches are, I mean, pretty much, like, in this area, I know in the last couple of weeks, any facility that was closed is open now. I know some people are still limited, in, limit, limiting, oh, my goodness, their services, or maybe they don't have Sunday school or singing or things yet. You know, each church needs to pray and do what they feel is best. Um, but, you know, it, it is time, whether your church is limited, mass, mass not, maybe they're wide open. Um, it's just a good time to get back into church. I mean, here we are, you know, March, we're getting ready to go into April. And, I mean, we're getting ready to celebrate one of the best times of the year. We're getting ready to celebrate our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and how he's still not in the tomb. Um, you know, and he rose and he conquered death. And, and it's just a, it, it's a good time for people to go back. But I think something else that's worthy to bring up is that, you know, when we talk about the gathering of the congregation and, you know, getting together with the assembly, you know, when I was younger and I didn't have a lot of discipleship in me or about reading, praying and such things, um, you know, church to me was like my worship day. Like Sundays were my days where I came in and I was ready to worship. But now that I've been a part of discipleship and now I'm actually in a place where I can like help disciple people. I've also learned that, like, Sunday is not our only worship day. Like, you know, Sunday... Seven days a week. Yeah, seven days. And that's what I'm saying now. It's like, it's almost like if I put in, like, let's say, you know, I have a week and I'm super busy and I don't take a lot of time for that personal time, I feel like I come into Sundays not as prepared as I should be, not as prayed up, not as studied up, not as, uh, you know, praying that his will would be done. But then there's those weeks that like, man, I'm, I'm staying on top of my personal time. I'm reading my devotion time. And then I come into Sunday and it's like, we come together and we get to worship. Like this morning was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was just an awesome time. Um, you know, people were able to go pray, you know, pray with people you know i got to pray with my fiance this morning it was just a is a great thing that uh we got to pray and talk and you know fellowship together but even after that you know we got to sing songs about the lord especially that last song uh this blood you know when we sing about the blood of christ i mean you just can't help it as a follower of christ rejoice in that moment but it's like sundays are not just the holy days you know and i feel like if people could realize that if they would put more time each day worshiping God through study, through prayer, through a Monday night prayer service, maybe through a small group, then they would notice. Because, like, you know, I love Sundays, right? I love coming together. I love worshiping together. But do you know some of my favorite times I've ever had with the Lord are on a Monday morning at about 7.30 a.m. I'll come by the church, and I'll go in the sanctuary, and it's complete dark, right? My favorite times, not even at the church and other places— where I can get on alone, and I mean just like talk to the Lord, um, open the Word, see what it says, you know, let let Him pour into me for that day, for that time. Those are some of my favorite moments is when I can get in that one-on-one, and I feel like if people realize that Sundays are not the holy days and we have access to Him every day, man, how much could a person flourish and be more committed to Christ? I mean, yeah, and when you look at the topics that we or the, the series that we're starting on spiritual gifts, uh, understanding that, man, the the body as a whole is fitly framed together, and each individual is gifted, yeah. and God's blessed them all. And when you're not in your place, performing your purpose, carrying out your uh, God-given responsibility, 
you're missed. Yeah. And, and the church misses you. And we, we, uh, uh, long to see you back uh, in the body with the absolutely rest of the family. Absolutely, it's time to take advantage of the throne of grace. You know that we can approach through Christ. So, um, man, I, I'm looking forward to this podcast today. We, like I said, we are going to finish out miraculous gifts. We're going to talk about um, the gift of interpretation, and you really can't talk about miracles and healings oh, separately because they kind of come in together. Um, but we are going to talk about those today, but I think it is worth noting if you haven't, I would go listen about what, two episodes ago about the gift of the apostle, because that really set the context for how we're going to talk about these gifts, because these were the gifts that the apostles had at hand that they could do these things because of what they had were gifted for. Um, we established this in that episode as well. There's no more apostles. No one can qualify to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Um, and that because these men had seen Jesus and they were personally uh, challenged and told by Jesus Christ that they would be apostles, they could do such things. Now, I think last week was a great opportunity, though, that, you know, when we did talk about tongues, you know, that was something that the apostles did, but also the Gentiles did in front of the Jews. We talked about that last week. And I think it gave us a great opportunity to talk about it in context and that if God were to do such a miraculous thing, that it would have to be in the context of Scripture. It wouldn't be outside of Scripture. It wouldn't be the way, you know, little Bobby wants it to be. It would have to be the way that God gives it. But also, I think we did a good job of talking about how that the gift of the Holy Spirit isn't something like, so let's, like, exhortation, like encouraging others, right? We can, if God gives us the gift of exhortation, I could use that right now. I could use it tonight. I could use it Monday. There's multiple opportunities, right? But when we studied through scriptures, tongues wasn't a gift you could just do. It was something that God had to give through the power of the Holy Spirit for a specific moment at a specific time. And I mean, that's clear when we look at the time of the Gentiles, when we look at what happened in Acts chapter 2. It all gave God glory, but God did it. It wasn't something that we could just, boom, oh, here, let me go do this. So I think last week we did a great job. I've heard some great feedback about the context that we presented last week and how it was very in-depth. And, man, I just enjoyed being in the room, to be honest. I know I got to participate, but Pastor Jason, we appreciate him coming yeah. and coming back. So sure um, this week we're going to talk about interpretation. We may have touched on it a little bit last week, um, but I think it's worth noting um, and putting a little time into and then we'll just keep going along. So, um, all right. So, the gift of interpretation. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, as Alan said our first week, this is going to be where majority of the time we're going to spend right here to get our gifts. But uh, 1 Corinthians 12.10 says, To another the working of miracles, to the other prophecy, to the another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues. And here's where we're going to stop and hang out. To another the interpretation of tongues now guys i'll be honest when i referenced this and look for some parallel text mine literally took me to verse 28 and 29 and then 28 and 29 took me back to verse 10 so i didn't have a lot of cross references for this but i think it's willing to note this that when we do study out the gift of tongues or even like when we go over into chapter 14 and we look at how tongues happen we did see one thing and i think i can say this and then we'll kind of this We'll probably open the table for good conversation. Anytime that someone truly did speak tongues, there always there had to be an interpreter. There was an interpreter present, someone who can interpret what was being said to God. So with that being said, guys, when we look at this gift of interpreting tongues, 
I mean, what what does our listeners, what do people who believe in Jesus Christ, I mean, what does the Bible say? Like, how, how do we need to go about this? Who wants to start? I'm looking around the table. Ready? Yeah, go for it, Alan. <laughs> so, uh, we have, uh, as a church, we've had uh, a missionary come in who spoke Spanish. And we really, uh, you know, let him in. It was a primary language, didn't speak a lot of English. So, as he shared the word, he shared it the only way he could, and he shared it in Spanish. So, for uh, someone in the audience to understand what the pastor was preaching, there had to be somebody to translate for him. And in this case, his wife did. His wife took the the message that he was preaching uh, from Spanish into English, and that way the entire congregation got to understand the message. So uh, to, to me, to, to interpret a, ter- a tongue is to make the, the, the message understandable. So, Alan, what, what you're saying, though, is kind of piggybacking off last week. It needs to be, a, it's a known language. Exactly. Like, it's not something that you just make up. Exactly. Or like uh, an angelic language or something. Like, it's a known language that someone can clearly stand up and say, oh, I know what they're saying. And historically, I've had little trouble, uh, you know, with that, the gift of tongues and understanding it. But I understand even more after our last podcast where a pastor went into the history yeah. of the the, the uh, commentaries and the, the word uh, history and a, a lot of things that came about as a means of a, mm. a way to explain my belief and things that were added. So literally, uh, I believe uh, 100% that the gift of tongues is a spiritual gift that God gives people. He does. But that gift is so that the gospel can be understood. Yeah, I mean that's and that's the whole thing. I mean, throughout the whole scripture, yep. every, everything's to give God glory yep. or to point people to Christ. Okay, so Pastor Jason, go ahead. Just some of the confusion, I think. If you've never like for me, so I never really studied that out till later in life. So the only way we know to relate uh, tongues is to look at how it's being done today. So if we look at how it's being done today and then we look at text and we automatically relate it to unknown sounds, things we don't understand. But I really don't think the Corinthian church had it much out of context. I mean, I think they were they were just uh, they were confusing the meeting house. They were confusing it, it misusing the gift yeah. when it, you know when it said let two or three speak, right? And and let's let's look at those things when they prophesy. When they speak in tongues, don't be speaking over one another, and you know it was for there the was lost an order people. To it. There had to be order yeah. in it. So yes. I, I think with me myself, I've done a lot of thinking about this. Even Jesus said uh, uh, in Mark sixteen and seventeen, and it's, um, it says, uh, "These signs shall follow them that believe, and my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues." I wish they would have put new tongues instead of unknown tongues, mm-hmm. and follow what Jesus said because this text. Uh, of course, that relates to the working of miracles, but that was when he gave the commission to the eleven, and these are things they are going to do. So I think um, that when we look as far as tongues go, the only way that most people have an understanding of it is what they see churches practice. Right. And so like you said, Alan, when you look at the history of it and you trace it back, there's more clarity in the history than what we see today. Yeah. And if you're listening and you have, you have struggles and maybe you've, you've wrestled with that, uh, in your life. Um, to me, I really didn't have a lot of trouble with my view on the interpretation of, of tongues. 
but uh, again, once you go back and look at the history, it settles it for me, and I'm 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 very established in the fact that uh, this gift was used so that someone could hear the gospel and understand it, and then the Holy Spirit could season that and yeah. draw them to a point, place of conviction. There's a place in like my study Bible, even when it talked about healing, it said that the gift, um, like divine healing, was not to produce divine healers but there would be divine healing take yes. place. And that's that's where you get into the yeah. the, the, the gifts being, they're, they're attractive. I mean, when folks look at the gifts and the things that are accomplished and say, man, I want that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would like to be able to do that. Uh, but the bottom line is God gifts his people individually according to how your, um, you know, your your personal makeup. What, how are you wired? What's your personality like? And and what's, what are the things that, that God's, got in store for your future and those things we may be oblivious to those things we may you know have some insight on but the bottom line is god will gift you with spiritual gifts to help you see those things accomplished so let me um let me kind of ask a question about this so when we look at um the history in the scripture of corinth you know you have sections that talk about let two or three speak yeah. and let's let's what is weighed let's weigh it and hear hear what they have to say so when we look at that text and we look at you know tongues and people who would come and speak other languages do you guys think there was a key point where let's say you know in the church of corinth i mean if i'm not mistaken like that corinth wasn't just a little town mm-hmm. like it was in the midst of multiple cultures mm-hmm. multiple yeah. Yeah. um so when they had two or three people get up you might have two Two or three people that might speak two or three different languages. Now, it's not that, and I was thinking about this, it's not that God gave them a brand new tongue that no one's ever heard, but I also noticed that there was a lot of times, maybe in Corinth, where people would talk about prophesying, but you would see the word tongue involved. So I started wondering within myself, and you feel free to answer this if you guys have uh, an answer that might provide some clarity. Do you think, and that at some point in the church of Corinth, maybe people of different languages, they did speak up and speak in another tongue, but what they were doing was preaching a message. I believe. Yes. Well, yeah. Go ahead. So, 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six. Yeah. It says, How is it so then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalms, hath a doctrine, mm-hmm. hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation? Let all things be done unto edifying. So he's questioning them with that, saying, you know, well, how is it that when you guys do this? But that's what he was telling them, like Pastor Jason said, about keeping the order. It's good you know, to, it was two or three at a time. It's a perfect question. Yes, it's yes. A, it's a perfect question. It's a, it, it's a question that also brings to the table accountability, mm-hmm. even even in the setting like we're doing right now. Uh, when we're, we're sharing the gospel and we've, you know, four men with four different viewpoints and four, four different ideas and four different upbringings. But the bottom line is what comes out of our mouth and goes through these microphones and is broadcast on the interweb in cyberspace. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> the cyberspace. It, yes. I'm in in the internet. It's a real thing. They got no computers now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. So, it's got to be credible. It's got to be factual. Yeah. It's got to yes. be. It's got to be uh, in line with, with the, the word with, of, yes. with the intent of God's word. Yes, not just not just uh, the way we view it or the way we've ta- learned it, right. but it's got to be the, straight out of the, the in line with the concepts that God 
wrote his word in, in the intent for us to live our lives. And yeah. the the history is we also have to include the history because mo- if you trace all this, it runs you back to the priestesses of Delphi across the, the waterway. Yep. You know, a, a pagan practice, and uh, these various gases in this cave and they lifted her, a virgin would be put there and then they would be an interpreter there. There was also danger of a lying spirit, a lying tongue, right? Get inside the church and cause confusion. So I think that's why history is important in that area is when you have people that were zealous with spiritual gifts, don't confuse that with people practicing pagan. Yep. So. Well, and I even, you know, it's like in 14.6, he says, Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching if even lifeless instruments such as a flute and a harp do not give distinct notes how will anyone know what is played and so i started thinking about when you look at that he's like if i come to you in tongues but i don't bring anything that's going to edify you some teaching some revelation something god's revealed some sort of knowledge of scripture prophecy te- but we also have to understand that even a revelation knowledge prophecy and teaching are used this isn't talking about anything outside of scripture this is within Scripture. Like, if God reveals something to you in the Word, you I mean, that's what edifies the church. Exactly. So when Josh read that Scripture about, you know, in 26, if you come together and you have a hymn, a lesson, revelate, a tongue, interpret, that's what I started thinking. Because a lot of times, like, when we think of tongues, we think about um, what church, some churches have defined it as, you know, a language that only God knows something that you utter and God understands what you're saying or somebody gets a divine interpretation of an angelic language but if you strip all that away and the Bible says that the word tongue is a known language not unknown right because we talked about last week the King James adds unknown ESV and ASB all those just say tongue so if tongue glossa Mm -hmm. is a known language than anywhere in the Bible, it should be a known language. And so that's what I was thinking was if you had a church that had people that could speak multiple languages, or maybe some of them, they spoke, this was their main language. This was their main language. And then you had people come in saying that God revealed something to them, or they had a message. You would have to let two or three of them speak. Someone would have to interpret what they were saying, because if you didn't have an interpreter, then how how in the world would they have known what was being said? Uh, Pentecost, you don't see where there were interpreters, do you? No. There was a man stood up and he said, "How do we hear these in our own language?" Yep. First, first sign gift, right? With them at Pentecost, no interpreter, and they understood. And then last week we spoke about first Gentiles, right? Acts chapter ten. Mm-hmm. Confirmed to the Jews they were saved the same way. And it's not till later, right, that you start seeing where there's an interpreter that's needed. It comes later, after the fact. So the original design is in context. Yep. Just like in marriage, Jesus said from the beginning it wasn't so. You know, so I think that's how you need to follow that out through text, to keep it in context. Exactly. Well, and I mean, even like you're talking about the context and tongue, I mean, right here in First Corinthians 14 again, Paul says in verse 10, there are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know what the meaning of the language is, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. And that's where, before we even started, I was talking to Pastor Jason about an article I read, and I'm not going to bring it up, but 
I do think there is a point, though, that needs to be brought up that, you know, even when God reveals things to us, he doesn't reveal it to us in an unknown language. He doesn't reveal it to us in a brand new tongue. He reveals things to us through his word and through the preaching of his word. So that's where I even mentioned something to him before we started. You know, when you go to churches or places where people stand up and they start speaking in what they call tongues, and then someone gets up and they're like, God's about to do a big work in our midst and he's about to do this. And he's about to do this. I started thinking, but why did God have to send that in a language that no one understands? Why would he not just make it clear? And so that's where I started thinking. I think that can be a dangerous area because another thing the guy said in the article is he's had people, he grew up in a Pentecostal church, but he's had people his whole life come up to him and say, well, Gee, the Lord led me to do this, or the Lord's led me to say this. And he said, that's not always the case. Well, when you get in, in, in anything uh, involved in a ritualistic practice mm-hmm. where I'm just going through the motions and this is the way we always done yeah. church, no matter what the denomination or what the practice is, to me, when you get a, a man of God who has studied and, and showed himself a, you know, sound in the faith and he gets up and he proclaims God's word and then he breaks that down in an understandable manner to where it's, applicable and it's practical and now god opens my brain and i say whoa how, how have i missed that all these years how have i not understood that and i start studying and i start and that pushes me to a point to me uh, why would god give us a message in an unknown language when we can't understand english you know what i'm saying yeah yeah when we won't listen and apply what we already hear it what's funny is we're talking about a subject today and it's uh it's as much confusing today yep. as it was back then yep. because it deals with people, right? Yep. Trying to be spiritual or trying to, um, and and again, the Bible says you need to try the spirits, see whether they're of God, and see if you know. And there's there's those other practices that Gnosticism in the early church is just it's just renamed, and um, where people have to say, well, I this tongue is the evidence of me being saved. No. No, you've missed it. You've you've missed Hebrews and you've missed Romans and you know what I mean. You yeah. it's faith. Yeah. Um, and then so I I don't know. I hate that it's it is where it is, but I really don't think it's as big as a problem. No. As people no. make it out to be. No. And I I even started thinking. I mean, like the only issues you're gonna see is when people are trying to push things on others or the innocent because like the false teachers that go to third world countries and they push this unknown tugs and this stuff that's the biggest issue is people who try to take advantage of people that aren't they don't know i mean we've seen that before someone will come in and develop a relationship or be with somebody and then the next thing you know they're pushing things on them and misleading them with no text or nothing just an experience that they can have and it's like i was even reading right here you know when you look at like First Corinthians fourteen and it, um, thirteen, and he says, "Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do?" So Paul makes uh, you know a statement. You know, if he prays in a tongue, his spirit prays, but his mind's unfruitful. So he says, "What am I to do?" And then you look at this text. He says, "I will pray with my spirit." But I will, I will pray with my mind also. And so when I was looking at that and kind of reading it, um, I started thinking about if you pray a prayer and you really don't know what's going on, 
you know, it, now it does say that the spirit does intercede for us, you know, a hard things, the de- the things we struggle with. But I think we also have to understand Paul also says, he says, I will sing my praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. When I was looking at that, I mean, Paul talks about, it's great. Yeah, you speak in a tongue, great. But if you do it and an outsider doesn't even know what you're saying to even say amen or understand you're giving thanks, it's better to, you know, Focus on what builds up people. Speak what, I mean, that's what he says, right? He said, I would speak five words with my mind in order to instruct instruct others than ten. Remember, because above, he was talking about his mind. He said, I understand when I speak with my mind. So when he says, I'd rather speak five words with my mind, he's saying, I'd rather speak five things that I know I can understand yeah. and everyone else is going to understand than me say 10,000 things with just my mouth and whatever comes out. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an emphasis. And I mean, Paul makes a point. He says, you know, if I pray something, my spirit's what's praying. And so, I mean, there's times, it's like I told uh, Grant, our sound guy, you know, there's times when we get down to pray, we don't even have to say a word, right? Maybe we just weep. Maybe we just sit in silence, uh, you know, or maybe sometimes the Holy Spirit brings something up and we need to confess some things. Or There's times where the Holy Spirit definitely does help us in our prayer life and does things. But when you look at this, Paul's not trying to tell us to go start praying and utterances and doing these things. The emphasis of this text, what Paul's saying is, hey, we need to do things that we can understand and we need to do things that are going to uplift people because that's the whole thing of what Josh read earlier. He said, let all, at the end of that verse 26, let all things be done for the building up. So I guess here's my next question for us is if Paul puts a lot of emphasis on tongues is real, if someone speaks a tongue, let someone pray that they would interpret it. But then the moral of his whole message is like, we need to focus on building each other up. Why would people not focus on focusing on building people up? Why would people focus on everything else? Yeah, that well, okay, so you have why wouldn't people be focusing on that? So here the thing is is that when we look around one the speaking in tongues that we see in the churches today, what you know, the Pentecostal or the or the word of faith movement produces is they have it now to where it is a building up of oneself. That's why they put so much emphasis on well, they can train you, they can teach you. The speak the gift of speaking in tongues at the day of Pentecost was not man given. That was by God giving them the gift to speak in tongues. The thing is, is that when you're sitting in a church service today and somebody two or three break out and speaking in what was known in the modern church is speaking in tongues. There is no edifying or encouragement of the church. It also does create a confusion. Because like I said, I, I was sat in that church. I sat in a church and I did not understand it. I was lost. The thing is, is that when it says that, because it, after that verse, Paul then says that he's like, if, you're, if there is not an interpreter or it cannot be understood, keep in silence. Keep it to yourself to be silent with it. Because there would be no edifying of the church or those around you. So then, therefore, he says, keep it to yourself. But the thing is, is that in today's time, it's a matter of 
encouraging oneself or uplifting oneself, you know, that they can almost like I can speak better tongues than you can speak. And what it has happened is that they have made it from a, in a movement of God and, and a thing of his work into a man-made work. And the same thing goes with reaching the people of the community and building up the church. A lot of times you'll hear people say, well, you know, what church do you go to? And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, well, I don't, I've heard about that church. Why don't you come to my church? It's one church. It's, it's, uh, it's the church of God. It's the believers in Christ, the body. Not numerous different churches, but the thing about it is evangelism has came to a more of a attack against churches versus the one true one that we stand against, <laughs> which is the adversary, the one that is the creator of that confusion. Is, that is so true, Josh. When you get this meism and you get to t- thinking about, uh, I'm going to put on a, a, a show where I want right. recognition, it's so easy for that to make its way into the church. Yes. And now all of a sudden, you, the whole church is like, well, our church is better than your, your church. church. Yeah, because yeah, we've got such and such, and we've got so-and-so, and we've got this right. and that, and we've got more to offer. we got activities, and we got this, and we got that. Yes, Exactly, and now you've got yourself in a position to where it's all about the church and not about God. Right. So, and that's the question. So where's the faith of the church? Exactly. You know, is the faith in the church and what you all do? Or is the faith in the church of what God does? Exactly. And so the work he's doing. Let me, let me ask a question. So as we're looking at tongues and, you know, I have another story I'll tell here in just a few minutes. But when we look at the gifts of tongues and what happened in Pentecost and all these things. So um, if God... If God were to allow that to happen one time and then stop, would he be just in doing so? God yeah. can, God can, yes. yes, he'd be just. Okay, in. and I think we all would agree on that because God can do whatever he wants. But he, here's the question. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross, right, and the New Testament came to pass and all of these things, the sacrifice, had found the, you know, the everlasting high priest, we've covered that here on the podcast. Now... Oh my, oh my gosh, there's coffee. <laughs> so when you look at, right, Jesus is the final sacrifice. He's forever high priest. So here's the question. So Christ comes and he doesn't abolish the law at all. He fulfills the law. But we do see that the old schoolmaster, the Old Testament Mosaic laws, it's not that they're not holy anymore. They are holy. They're used to point out our sins. But now... Man doesn't have to worry about keeping all of them. Why? Because Christ fulfilled that. So now that we put our faiths in Christ, we don't have to do a yearly sacrifice. We don't have to do this in the temple. We don't have to do this. But here's my question. So when God completed that work and it was over and that was finished, did some of the Jews keep practicing it? Yes. So that's my, I say that to say this. I think there's an issue that... They'll practice it again. Yeah. Yeah. After the church is out of here. So what the reason I brought that up, though, is because, you know, when you look at the continuous view of the book of Acts, is this is it. If God were have done... If he did Pentecost one time and one time only, just for the apostles, just so that Jews could be saved, and then he decided not to continue that kind of moment or continue that kind of power, some people say... And then man tries to continue it on his own. Would that not make everything super, super confusing? And so that's why I say that to say this. Now, when you look at the section Josh was reading, you know, you know, if a man speak in a tongue, let there be only two at most three in each turn. Let someone interpret. We've talked about this people. What if they spoke another language and they were preaching? Somebody's got to interpret. 
But if there's no one, and Josh said this, let let each keep in silent and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak. Let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophet are subject to the prophets. Verse 33, look here. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So we live in a day and age where you have a lot of churches, but not just churches, ministers that preach messages about unknown angelic tongues and all of this. But it seems like, just like I read in that article today, that guy said he had a, he had tons of his friends come to his church and he always had to leave and explain the confusion. Well, so, you, you've said it perfectly, Hunter. When, when it, God's God, God does what he wants to do. We can't limit God's power. But God also doesn't operate outside the context of his word. So if God were to give somebody the gift of tongues, it would be a known language that was needed for somebody to understand the message. It wouldn't be something that's mystical or angelic. But or, there's a difference between what he says right here in First Corinthians and then what happened in Acts chapter 2. Mm-hmm. The apostles were a lot different than you and I. Yep. If the apostles in Acts chapter 2 spoke a tongue and everyone knew it in their own language, there was no need for an interpreter. Nope. Because the Holy Spirit was the one who was interpreting and revealing Christ to the lost people's hearts. Because the Bible also says that tongues is for lost people. But here you and I are. So here's the question. If Paul tells the church, the lay member, the pastor, the deacon, whatever, in Corinthians, that we need an interpreter, but yet the apostles didn't, is there not a clear difference between us and an apostle? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying is people are trying to reenact what happened in Acts chapter 2 when all along it may not be that we're supposed to, or it may not. It may be that we don't have men that are qualified to do such works and such miracles. And that's why, you know, it's like this last week, I was scrolling through Facebook, and the Apostolic Church in Maryville on William Blunt Drive, it's massive. Like an ad shows up about a commercial, right? And the commercial was about their services and they're starting back. And so it had a clip of their preacher now, you, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I mean, this man sounded like some old preachers that I heard growing up. Like, you know, when we would go, uh, my dad would go to North Carolina or, you know, the old timey preachers that you hear about that were just like full of the whole. And so I heard this man preach and I was like, whoa, that's not what I thought it was going to be. So I got on their website, you know, and I listened a little bit more. Didn't I did not agree with what he was saying at all because he was trying to be an apostle in that moment, you know, doing what the apostles doing. Ask, you know, telling people that they conceive revelations, come to the front, they can receive this. But what I noticed was this, is when you go to their section of beliefs, right? So, Jesus Christ, one supreme God, the Trinity, you know, you had these beliefs. But then you get down to this one. You must speak in a tongue to, to show evidence and symbol that you have been saved by Jesus Christ. So I was like, okay. So I knew this was coming because I'm familiar with the doctrines that they preach. And so I get down to the section, and of course, what verse are they going to use? Acts chapter 2, verse 4, which says this. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues and other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So from that verse, this church is now enforcing that once you come out of the baptismal waters, if you do not speak in another language, you are not saved. So all of us in the room just kind of raised our eyebrows because when in the world 
Have we read that? Have y'all read that anywhere? No. no. I mean, I've never found that in there. And so what I'm saying is when we look at the gift of tongues or even the gift of interpretation, it's like Alan said, God can do what he wants, but God's going to do it within the context of what he's given us because you have to understand if, you know, if God did something, it's like some people say, you know, don't put God in a box. Don't put the Holy Spirit in a box. I'm not putting God in a box. I'm not putting the Holy Spirit in a box. I'm just reading what the Bible says and how God says that, that we need to understand exactly. him and need to understand his spirit. And the Bible also says, let two or three prophets speak. Let's what way. But if you go to First Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, despise not prophesying, but test each one and hold fast to what is good. So don't despise what a man's preaching, but test it. And then if it's good, hold fast to it. Right. So what are they going to preach? From the Word of God. So if someone were to come up and preach something that's completely out of text or make something up and say, God's revealed this to me, we don't need the Bible, I'd be like, wait a second. This says that this is in the inspired Word of God, and now you're going outside of that. That's where a red little red flag goes up. So we have to understand, as Alan said, God can do such... Me- I mean, He has, but He's going to do it within the side His context. But here's the other issue. When the apostles were alive, correct... You did have imitators. Simon the Magician. He yep. said, I'll give you money yeah, for these things. The sons of Siva. They tried to go cast out a demon. Got and all of a sudden, yeah. And they, got, they got beat naked. They got yeah, clothes yeah. beat naked. Yeah. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. When you look at the, these biblical examples, right? You, obviously, you had people that were trying to do what they couldn't. But when it came to the apostles, there was no confusion at them. There was no issues or second guessing with them. They just did the work and went on. They preached the gospel and went on. So now that the apostles are gone, now there's confusion. Now there's misunderstandings. Now there's more people being, you know, taken advantage of. Because what was one of the things John said in one of the books, uh, his three books at the end of the Bible? He said, there are already many antichrists about. And so that's why I'm saying, like, when you go somewhere, you hear someone preach or you hear something do something and they say, this is in the name of Jesus Christ, but then it produces a lot of confusion, you might want to think about it. Hmm. Because God is not the author of confusion. Why in the world would God do a miraculous thing and then it just be super confusing and no one understands it? Now, we could take this to a point where it's like Jesus, right? He preached parables and people didn't understand what he was saying. Now, was it that they were confused? No, it's just that they were lost and they had no spiritual enlightenment within them. But God, God has never, the only time that we ever really read of the word confused, probably with the word God in, is you talked about the Tower of Babel when he confused mm-hmm. the languages. But it wasn't, nobody left confused that day. They just left and they couldn't speak their language anymore. Yeah, they they couldn't moved. understand each other. They couldn't speak to each other. They and had they, no communication. With there's them. no confusion. You're just, you move on. We, everybody, I don't care who you are. People want to spiritualize things regardless. And when you spiritualize things, most of the time it fits your agenda. It yep. fits your belief. It's, yeah. like, it's like the guy that told me, he said, I was born a Baptist and I'll die a Baptist. And I said, you're going to die lost. <laughs> you know, that's what I told him. Yeah. But so that I think when we when we talk about this, and especially a subject like this, um, I wouldn't want to spiritualize anything because I watch someone do it. I would want to make sure, like I say, we have the canon in every language now. We have it, so I mean, there's no need. Of, yeah, but right? we, but the thing is though, and I think this is the biggest thing is like, God gave us scripture, 
but he didn't give us an instruction manual with to come with it. To understand scripture, you've got to spend time in scripture. And so the reason I say that is because if you only read one book and then you stop, then you're only going to believe one way. You you gotta you have to read the whole story of scripture. And then and, on on the other hand, if you get like the scribes and Pharisees, Pharisees, <laughs> the Pharisees, Pharisees, they're from Canada. <laughs> eh? Eh? But they poured themselves into it, but they poured themselves into it from a carnal standpoint, from their from their uh, fleshly, yeah. prideful knowledge standpoint. It's got to be and, rightly divided. And, and now Ooh, all of a sudden, yeah. why are you? Why are the Bereans you, had it right. Yeah, why are you eating without washing your hands? And why are you? Why are you? Uh, you know, healing on the Sabbath day. Who, who are you forgive sins and all these things? You know, mm. it's no different than you're lost if you don't speak tongues when you come from the baptismal waters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got men putting their. Uh, precedence over god's word but to me you should you should be able to read the whole bible and be able to explain everything so like when the bible says by faith alone what does that mean you should be able to explain that putting your belief in jesus christ when peter says in acts two thirty eight, repent ye and be baptized we should be able to explain that but also not forgetting what the bible says about faith yeah. we should when we see someone practice a spiritual gift we should be able to understand that, but we also have to remember it comes to us because of faith. So a person who rightly handles the word of God, and trust me, I'm I'm not the holy, holy man on earth that rightly divides the word every time. I try to, and I pray to, and I study so I can, but I'm saying this, we should be able, if anyone were to ask us a question about work salvation or a tongue or anything, we can't just go to one spot. No. So, I mean, like when people talk to me about... You know, you have to speak in a tongue to be saved, or you have to be baptized to, you know, to be saved, or you should do this, or you should do this. Like, I go to those sections they give me, but, like, we've got, what about this section that says this? Like, faith, right? Yeah. So, this one does say we need to be baptized, but what about over here where it says, you know, we need to put our faith in Christ? What if it's that the waters don't literally save us, but what if it's that baptism is just a symbol for a good conscience unto God and showing everybody that we are. So I think you have to be able to take everything and study it all in context and then weave it into one grand story of the Bible. Don't just focus. And that's what I was saying earlier. Like if someone were to stop in just the book of Acts and not read anything else, then they're going to be one-sided. They're going to think one way. They're only going to think through the filter of Acts, which I love the book of Acts. You know, it's like uh, my fiance, you know, we we try to study the Bible and get in the Word together. And I asked her, I was like, you know, what's one thing that you would like to learn? And she's like, I'd really like to learn more about the church history from the book of Acts through the epistles and then onward through the Reformation. And so I told her, I was like, you know, I've, I know a textbook that we'll get, but let's start in the book of Acts. Let's start at the very beginning. I love the book of Acts. I love reading it. But I also know this. I know who wrote it, and he wasn't an apostle. So it's not doctrine. It's a record. It's a transition. And I also know, and this is my biggest, biggest thing. Everybody hangs out in Acts chapter 2, but what about Acts chapter 1-8? When Jesus says, first to Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the world. So we have to understand, Jesus Christ had a grand scheme. It was going to go to the Jews, Jerusalem first. It was going to go to Judea. Then it's going to go to the Samaritans, mm-hmm. which, you know, the Samaritans and the Jews were at odds, but they're in the boat together. Jesus Christ wanted, and you have to remember what happened in John, what was it, John 4? The, Samarit- the Samaritan woman, Samaritan John 4, they believe, but Philip goes. 
So a lot of people like to hang out in Acts chapter 2, or they like to hang out with Judea, or they like to go and hang out what was just for the Samaritans. Like, I believe it's in Acts 8 where Philip goes down there because you run into the magician. They were ministered to one time by Christ, and then they wanted to go back. He says, don't go yet. Yeah, I mean, he had a time. But we have to understand, we don't live in Jerusalem, and we're not Jews. And none of us in here live in Samaria. We're not Samaritans. So we have to be in that last category to the uttermost parts of the world. And so when we look at the uttermost parts of the world, here we are in 2021, right? And the gospel went to Jerusalem. It went to Judea. It went to uh, Samaria. And then from there on, what do you hit? Acts chapter 10. That's really where the uttermost parts, Cornelius' house. Because you read about the Ethiopian. You read about all these, you know, Lydia, the, the seller of purple. But when you get down to the first Gentile that was considered in the uttermost parts of the world, that's the, I mean, Cornelius was a Roman, if I'm not mistaken. And then from there on, what happens? They said, keep going here, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then the letters of the church come out. But here we are in 2021, and we're sharing the gospel to places that aren't even mentioned in Scripture. So we're in that last stage, the uttermost parts of the world. But what the reason I bring this up is because People are hanging out in places and building doctrine off places that were meant for Jews. They, I mean, he wasn't preaching to Gentiles right here in Acts chapter 2. Now, I mean, I've said that to some people, and they're like, but the Word of God's for everyone. The Word of God, like, if the Bible says that this is what needs to happen, this is what's going to happen, and I'm like, and that's great. But I'm telling you this, the Bible also says that we need to rightly divide it. And we need to understand that preachers preach to specific people people that god would send them to and so i think i think that's an honorable thing it to is. mention and when you get into to, to studying god's word uh, again i wish i'd learned this a lot earlier on in my life when you get to studying god's word in true application in the true context uh, you're absolutely right they're, if they're speaking to the jews that's worth noting it's worth noting when 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 he's uh, you know speaking to uh, the Samaritans when they're talking to a group of people who were called apostles. Yeah, that's important. And, and I mean, some people might make this argument in Ephesians two, and you get into three that there's no longer Jew or Gentile; we are one in Christ. That is correct. That is correct. But, but if Jesus said, "Go to Jerusalem first, and Paul would even mention at one place in the scriptures that it would go to the Jew first. The gospel would go to the Jew first. He did it also. He went to every synagogue when he, everywhere he went until they blasphemed. Yeah. And then he said, now I'll go to the Gentiles. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If he said he's going, if it says he's going to the Jew first and Acts chapter 2 is just for Jews, then can we as Gentiles take that and say this is for us? I mean, I think there's, I've heard a lot of great sermons out of Acts chapter 2, but all of them were in context. And I get it. We all are one in Christ, and we can do, you know, there's no division anymore, you know, all of these things. And I get that. But that's like when I was reading it, and you see that he's specifically preaching to the Jewish people. That was for a purpose, and that was commanded by Christ. And so I, I think these are just honorable thoughts that we should throw up and we should talk about, because when you study the Word of God, we are reading what a man inspired by God wrote. We were not there. You know, when he wrote it, he knew exactly who it was going to. He knew exactly each word and each context and each phrase and each comment and all these things. But we weren't there. 
And so here we are way later on down the road, and now we've got to study it and pray to understand exactly what God was using them to say. And that's the ultimate thing about this. I'm never going to fully understand the word completely, but I think there's enough context for us to get a grip on tongues and the interpretation of tongues and why Acts 2 was just for the Jews and all these things. So, guys, do y'all have anything else about interpretation of tongues or tongues? Go ahead. Uh, not on tongues, but I would just like to... I mean, I've, I have tons of thoughts running through my mind, but it's it's just odd to me. It always requires a group of people and a stage and a microphone for a lot of these things to happen. And to me, it's like, if these guys that claim that they're divine healers, what they ought to do is after the service they have, the next day, take them down to the hospital and see how many they, they heal down there. See how many they... If they can't do it that day, let's... There's let's tomorrow. just stay all week. Let's yeah. stay all week. Yeah. Let's just see. And and that's just where I think there's a lot of confusion out there because there are a lot of false teachers. There are a lot of false uh, Christs, right? And I just think that uh, when you keep it in context of like what we've been talking about here today, then, then you'll realize those folks are not in it for themselves. They're in it for the glory of God. And uh, they're most quiet, peaceful folks that, you know, that you'll ever run across. And, uh, and and I was raised with a filter system as well, and I just know it takes years for the, the, the understanding and the Holy Spirit to teach me where my filters have been wrong, mm-hmm. to where it lines up in text, and uh, yeah, I, I'm good with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's, a, I think we all four have different backgrounds, and we've talked about them on here, but you know, when I came to Watson's, I had more of a modernist. Maybe I was surrounded by modernists and maybe a side of liberal forms of Christianity that says you can do these things and still love Christ. Now, that doesn't mean I necessarily agreed with everything that they taught, but I did have a mentality of... Not in the churches you was raised in. In the programs. Yeah, in the programs. Right. Yeah, yeah. The churches, well, the churches I was raised in, uh, what I did was I'd sit on the back pew and I played... We handled snakes. No. <laughs> no. Don't even say that on here. Uh, he's clearly joking. <laughs> Whatever. We're going to have to edit that out. No, I'm kidding. But, I mean, it's just one of those things that, like, you, we all come from different backgrounds, but once you get in doctrine and you get into the Word of God it seems like those filters go away and you start looking at things through the and, Word of God. And, and just like uh, any person who starts to get independent and get out of their own, and, and I'm just like, Pastor, I had some filters in myself. But the thing about it is people can can love and, and nurture and, and try to encourage you, but it, it takes God to break those things down yeah. and open your eyes. It and, takes time. Enlightenment to the truth in God's Word. And again, uh, we're not trying to be argumentative. If you have a different belief system than we do, uh, we love you. Yep. No, no animosity here. We love you, and uh, yeah, we, I we mean, hope that something we say uh, will motivate you to get into the Word of God and study. Absolutely. I mean, I don't have to answer for anyone else except myself, and so I think it's worthy that we need to study as much as we can, so we can stand before and be honest um, before Him. So, guys, y'all have anything else? All right, Pastor Jason, we thank you for joining us again. We didn't handle snakes. We did not. I just want to make that clear. And if anybody, man. I have been in churches where there were little white boxes still up there. Mm. And if anybody hasn't put two plus two together, 
uh, Pastor Jason is my dad. We've I've never said that on here. He is my dad. But when you when he said uh, you weren't raised like that, I thought, well, everybody's going to figure something out now. So uh, I just wanted to clarify. We all we we are related. So, um, but hey, guys, we love y'all, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace out.